Welcome back to the Love Liz podcast. I took a couple weeks off to celebrate the holidays with my family, and I thought it would be great to start the new year off with a podcast about manifesting. I am super into the beginning of the year, setting intentions, um, envisioning what I want the next year to look like. And so I want to take you on that journey with me and specifically talking about manifesting. Welcome to Love Liz, the podcast that's all about inspiring you to be yourself, find true love, and live your purpose. This is for all of you seekers with deep desires who are struggling with your own self-worth and figuring out how to make your dreams come true. I'm your host, Liz Newcomer, actor turned Enneagram coach, human design practitioner, wife, and mama. I believe that who you are is enough to create the life and love you desire. Listen to find out why. Before I took my break, I had a session with one of my beloved clients and she was talking about manifesting and about how to phrase her manifestations. And she was saying, sometimes I know that I'm supposed to say, I have a million dollars in the bank or (laughs) something absurd like that. But she's like, I don't totally believe that that's true. So I walked her through a process and I'm going to walk you through the same one, but that's totally normal and natural. And I wouldn't condone picking huge aspirational phrases or mantras and just saying them if what's happening in your body is this resistance. So we'll, we'll get into that, but let's talk about what manifest actually means. I went to the dictionary.com and it says, as an adjective, manifest means readily perceived by the eye or the understanding. Evident, obvious, apparent, plain. As a verb, it means to show plainly, to prove, put beyond doubt or question. Now I'm an Enneagram coach and a human design practitioner, and it seems like I would be into everything that's woo-woo but I actually have a very practical side. My husband and I joke because we love watching those documentaries on cults like the Nexium or the Twin Flames Academy or University. I watch them and I'm like, Michael, how did I not get into a cult? I'm totally that gullible person that like really wants to believe in something. And I'm just astonished that I never fell into that. I either have to give credit to the fact that I'm a Capricorn rising or that I come from practical Protestant lineage that just doesn't believe in all of that stuff. But with manifesting, I have been on the more skeptical side of things. I think that's for a couple of reasons. One, I don't love blind faith in something where it then feels like you are lazy. You know the phrase, let go, let God. Now that's that can be a beautiful phrase, but it can also be a really misused phrase. And it can give an excuse to people to not take responsibility for themselves, their actions, their lives. And I guess that's what it comes down to is responsibility. Now, sometimes I overtake responsibility in certain areas that is not mine to take. And sometimes I undertake. And so I'm always thinking about the balance of responsibility. What is truly mine to own and take? And what do I need to let go of? Um, And I can err on the side of trying to control my destiny and putting too much expectation on making things happen. And it doesn't always work out in my favor. So manifesting kind of falls in that 
amorphous category for me, but I've come up with a way that I'm thinking about manifesting, especially this year. And that's what I want to share with you because I, it's valuable. And I think that it's applicable to your life. I was thinking about what I have manifested in the past and also what I've helped my clients manifest. I wanna start off with a story. When I was 16 years old, I was sitting at my kitchen table and I was looking through a People magazine and I started to notice that on every other page there was a milk ad. This was a huge campaign that started in the 90s where there were celebrities that would have a milk mustache and it would say got milk with a cute caption underneath it. I was obsessed with celebrities at this time. I mean, in some ways I still kind of am. I have this (laughs) real, like I put people on pedestals and it's really easy for me to idolize celebrities. So I started tearing out each of these milk ads and that started a collection for me. And so on my bathroom door, I started posting all of the milk ads. And then once I got collected all of that and it filled up that door, I started uh, putting all of the milk ads on my bedroom door. Then I also read Seventeen Magazine back in the day and there was a contest, a milk ad contest to submit your own milk ad write your caption, take the picture, and you would win $2,000 and a trip to New York City, your own photo shoot, and then you would be featured in Seventeen Magazine. I was like, oh my God, I have my idea. I have my concept. I'm going to recreate. I'm going to take a picture in front of my collection of milk ads, and I'm going to submit it to Seventeen Magazine. So the day that I wanted to take the picture, it was Mardi Gras, And my house is two blocks from the parade route. And so it's usually complete chaos in my house. My dad is cooking either jambalaya or gumbo or some sort of meal for anybody to stop by our house, have food, take a bathroom break. And my mom is either out on the parade route taking pictures or she's hosting. And I was like, mom, I need you to take this picture because the deadline was coming up. I was just completely clear that I was going to win. I just knew that the concept was really good. I was sitting in front of my collection of milk ads and my caption said, out of all my hobbies, my favorites are acting and collecting milk ads. How else could I keep up with my future fellow celebrities and learn cool milk facts? Like it has nine essential nutrients to help build strong bones so I don't really break a leg when I perform. Now, I have to give my friend Lauren credit for that because she came up with the break a leg and the association with the milk essential nutrients and building strong bones. So thanks to her genius, she's a projector, by the way. (laughs) Um, That was my caption. So my mom, I had her take the picture and I I just was totally confident that I was going to win. And she was like, why are you so confident? And I was like, I just know that I'm going to win. I just know it. I believed it deep inside my soul that I was going to win. And guess what? I did. I won the milk ad. So they flew me to New York and I had the most incredible experience. So the photo shoot, they had an entire wardrobe of clothes picked out. In my original picture, I was wearing a white V-neck shirt and white pants with a silver toe ring. And so they had all of these different top and bottom options. They had toe rings picked out. They had this whole food spread with locks and bagels and fruit and freshly squeezed orange juice. And I sat in this hair and makeup chair. And they were telling me, oh, we did Matt Damon last week. And this is post 
Goodwill Hunting. So I was like, my butt sat in the same chair as Matt Damon. I was so excited. And then this celebrity photographer, Andrew Eccles, took my picture and he said to my parents, I have a feeling that this is not the last time I'm going to photograph Liz. Fast forward to 2008 when I was graduating UCSD and we needed a photographer to take a picture of all of the MFA and acting graduates for our final showcase. And I called up Andrew Eccles and he actually took our picture. It kind of set the stage for that later manifestation to happen. The whole experience was just magic. And then I used the money to go to the Northwestern University theater program in the summer, also called Cherubs. And I met a bunch of my best friends there, two of whom relate to later manifestations, which I'll tell you about shortly. But the point is, I manifested that whole experience. I ended up being in Seventeen Magazine and then also the Milk Mustache book. It was certainly my 15 minutes of fame. So how did I do it? I think the biggest part of what made that happen was just this real certainty and conviction that it was possible for me, that I could and would win. But what's interesting is that it's not like I ever knew anybody to win a big contest like that. So what were the circumstances that allowed me to be so confident and convinced that I could make that happen. So one of my friends that I met at the Cherubs Theater Program became a very successful and accomplished actress. And we were both living in New York after undergrad. And around the same time, she moved to LA and I moved to San Diego. So I went to grad school and she just moved to LA to make it in TV and film. She signed with a top agent and she told me about the meeting that she had with this agency. There were several agents and her in the meeting And she said to them, if you don't sign me, you're going to lose a lot of money because I am going to be really successful. And I remember her telling me this story and I was like, what? Like, how can she even say that? How can she believe that? The mere confidence blew me away. Well, they ended up signing her. And about a week or two later, she booked a series regular in a TV show that ran for... I can't remember if it was five to seven seasons. So she did make them a ton of money. I've thought about that a lot because she wasn't playing at it. She actually believed that and it did end up coming true. And then my other friend from the Cherubs program is now a very successful heartbreak coach. And I was on her podcast. It's one of the first, maybe the first podcast I've ever recorded. And from that podcast, my very first coaching client came to me. She reached out on Instagram and she was like, I listened to you on this podcast. And I was wondering if you had any openings for clients. And at the time, I had sort of dabbled in coaching, but I hadn't had a full on client. This was three years ago. Anyway, I ended up offering her a free call and we have been working together ever since then. But I remember talking to my friend about it and I said, you know, thank you so much. It was because of you that I got this client. And she said, no, it was because of you. Your thoughts created that. And now speaking of that client... She came to me heartbroken. She was at the beginning of her Saturn returns and had just experienced a bad breakup and really wanted to manifest a partner. And so we worked on a lot of different things to get her aligned and to get her open to receiving the partner that she desired. A few months ago, she got engaged and she's getting married later this year. And I absolutely cannot wait to be there. 
It's going to be the best. I keep a Google journal for my clients of all the notes during our sessions. And I remembered that we had made a list of the type of guy that she wanted to manifest or attract. Now we created this list before she met her fiance and it is crazy how accurately it describes him. I forwarded it to her and she was like, I'm crying. (laughs) Like this is insane. Another one of my clients manifested a job in London. One manifested getting into her top business school in Boston. Another manifested an apartment in New York City. So now I want to talk about what gets in your way of manifesting what blocks you from receiving the things that you want to manifest, and how to clear the path so you can be open to receiving. Your subconscious plays a huge role in what you manifest. The two main things that you need to know about your subconscious is one, it likes what is safe, and what is safe is what is known or what is familiar, what you have done in the past, what you've already experienced, the status quo. That is what is running underneath. This is where your Enneagram comes into play because your Enneagram personality patterns are those habitual thoughts, feelings, and actions that you've done over time consistently in order to keep you safe. And they're running in the background. They're running on autopilot, on automatic. That's why it's hard sometimes to figure out what type you are because all of that is subconscious. You you don't even think about it. And figuring out your Enneagram type is a process of self-discovery and it's making the subconscious conscious. So you start to question and you start to challenge and look at those patterns. And is that really true? Do I need to keep believing that? So your subconscious likes what's safe, what's familiar, what is known. So let me give you an example. Back when I was a full-time drama teacher, I was also doing my Enneagram coaching on the side and I was making about $3,000 a month as a teacher after taxes. And I didn't want to leave teaching until I was at least making that much money in my coaching business. And I kept thinking, oh, when I'm not teaching full-time anymore, I'll have so much more time to devote to my coaching business and I'll be able to double and triple that income. But then this past year, I was looking at my income and I noticed a trend. And about each month, I was making about $3,000 in my Enneagram coaching business, but I no longer had the $3,000 from my teaching. So now I was making even less And because the numbers were the same, that specific amount of $3,000, I knew that my subconscious was at play, that my subconscious believed it is safe for you to make $3,000. You believe that you are capable of making $3,000. No more, no less. That's your status quo. This is that glass ceiling that we don't always see, but we can feel. So one thing that I'm working on for 2024 is really blowing up that glass ceiling of $3,000 a month, showing myself that it's safe and possible, that I'm capable, deserving, and worthy to make more than that. But the running commentary of my subconscious is you are only capable of making $3,000 a month. So how do you combat that? The other thing about our subconscious is that it deals in absolutes. So it doesn't pick up on subtleties or nuances. Whatever you are focusing your attention on, it just gives you more of that. Let's say I said, I don't want to keep making $3,000 a month. It doesn't pick up on the don't, it just picks up on $3,000 a month energy. And that's what it keeps bringing me, keeps bringing me. Or right now, I'm 10 pounds 
more than I want to weigh. And so if I'm like, I don't want to be 10 pounds over my ideal weight, it just keeps me there. Basically what it picks up on is 10 pounds over, 10 pounds over, 10 pounds over, and it stays there. So one of the things that when you're thinking about how to phrase your manifestations, first of all, you focus on the positive and you also focus as if it's already happening. So I could, for example, say, I make $10,000 a month. If that's what I want my subconscious to believe is possible, or I weigh this ideal weight. But this is what my client was having trouble with. And it was that doubt that your subconscious knows when you say something that isn't true. And it's like, no, you don't. You don't make $10,000 a month. You don't weigh that much. And then it just keeps running in the background. I think of those um, old records that had like the subconscious thing that you couldn't really hear playing underneath. It'll still play what it believes to be true. So then what do you do? I have three different beginnings of how you can phrase your manifestations. The first is I'm open to believing that this is true, or it is possible that dot, 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 or I'm learning how to believe this. So if I say I'm open to believing that I could make $10,000 a month, I don't feel any resistance in my body. And then that kind of opens up the door to receiving that amount of money. It's possible that I could make $10,000 a month. I'm learning how to believe that I can do this. The last piece I want to cover about manifesting, going back to seeing to believing, is finding evidence in the possibility. Lacey Phillips with To Be Magnetic, she has coined the term expanders. And these are people or things in your life that expand what you believe is possible for you that you see out in the world. So if you know somebody who got an apartment in New York City in the same way that you want to get your apartment, then that person is an expander for you. They're showing you that it's possible. And if you can see it in them, even your ability to see it in them means that you're starting to see that evidence and that you're in that energy of manifesting. I think a lot of times, whatever it is that we want to manifest is right in front of us and we just can't see it because we're looking at what we don't have. If you want to know what your subconscious believes is possible for you, you can do a little audit. So I want you to make a list of I have and just write down all of the things that you have in your life right now. So for me, I have a loving husband. I have I have two wonderful sons. I have coaching clients. I have a podcast. I have a theater company. And all of those things, you can ask, does my subconscious believe that these are possible for me, that I deserve or can have these things and I'm worthy of them? And because you already have them, you're probably going to say yes. Now, if you don't believe you're worthy or your subconscious doesn't feel safe having those things, that's where the saboteur comes in. A couple of years ago, right in 2020, I lost the 10 pounds that I was trying to lose since I was 18 years old and I finally did it. And that was such a precarious place for me that I got back (laughs) up to where I am now because there was part of my subconscious that didn't feel safe at that weight. That felt like I was gonna lose love or connection or something 
by staying in that weight. And that's also what I'm looking at this year is can I be at my ideal weight and can that be safe? And I'm talking a healthy weight. I'm not talking about like an insane, unhealthy weight. But my subconscious didn't, it, it got there, but it didn't believe it was safe. So then it, I gained the weight back. That's like all those people who win the Powerball or the lotto, and then they end up losing all that money again because their subconscious just doesn't believe that it's possible for them or that it's safe. So then make another list that says, I want to have, and then list the things that you desire. And this could be your manifestation list for 2024. And you can check in with, does your subconscious think that that's possible for you? And then once you have that list, you can do these two things. One, you can phrase it in that way of I'm open to, it's possible that, I'm learning how. And the second part is to look for evidence that it's possible, either in expanders or times in your past when you've manifested something similar or had that same energy of belief in what was possible for you and just continue to look for evidence. Bringing your conscious attention to that evidence as opposed to all of the reasons that it's not possible is going to help your subconscious find safety and comfort in believing in the possibility. And that's when you'll start to manifest what it is that you want. I hope this resonated with you. I hope it's a good way to kick off 2024 and that you align yourself with some really powerful manifestations that you truly desire in this new year. And until next time, love, Liz. If the subject of this podcast, manifesting, is interesting to you and you would like a little extra guidance in how to do some of the things that I've talked about, I am holding a Make Manifest 24 Masterclass next Thursday, January 11th, online at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time, and also live in person in the evening on the 11th at Body Shop in New Orleans. It's $24, and I'm going to be guiding you through this process of making your own manifestation list for 2024, making sure that it's aligned and that you are in a position open to receiving those desires. So sign up through the link in the show notes or forward this along to someone who might want to join you. And I look forward to seeing you there.